Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Right, it's quite it's quite tricky distilling twenty four years of life into uh, a six minute slot. It's so. Like yeah, yeah, not a, not a simple, boring life like mine. But I would imagine if you had a complex and interesting life, life it would be very tricky. So anyway, inevitably I'm going to leave important details out and not, not give a full story in, in many areas, but sure, we'll give my best. Just to give you a, a, a basic overview of uh, the structure of my life, this is the sort of introduction to my essay. Um, I lived in England till I was six and then moved from, I was born in England, moved there, moved to Indiana in America until I was nine. My dad worked for a sort of multinational pharmaceutical company, then went to Austria until I was 12 and then moved back home to County Wicklow, which is where my mum was from and where my grandparents and was always my sort of what I considered my home. So I was 18, then went to university in England for four years and 18 months ago came back home to Ireland. One thing I feel like I always, I always do need to say is um, I'm very stuck with this sort of yeah, very pompous English accent, which I didn't really ask for. I think the reason I have it is I was absolutely disgusted when my parents moved me at the age of six to America. I couldn't believe they were taking me around, away from the land of Manchester United and football and cricket. And I had to go and learn how to play baseball and basketball and NFL. I was appalled and disgusted. So as a point of protest, I decided that I absolutely would not pick up any American colloquialisms or any trace of an American accent. So I became very stubborn about the way I spoke. I think that ingrained in my mind. So here we are all the, these years later, having been in Ireland for over a decade and with no trace of an Irish accent. So there we go. Apologies for that. Anyway, I was... Uh, to crack on to the sort of spiritual stuff I was very fortunate I grew up in a, in a, in a Christian home I have wonder, a wonderful mum a wonderful dad um, and, a, and, a, and a good strong family and I very much grew up going along to church I would always have identified as a Christian more or less you know if you'd asked me at school or asked me as a teenager what do you believe I'd have quoted some sort of Christian stuff but the truth is my life just did not reflect it at all and I really don't think I believed it that strongly at all anyway I just was kind of what I said as a default answer, my rough hue of what the universe was like was a, was a Christian perspective, but my life didn't look like it. So as a teenager, particularly in my latter teens, I was very keen to go out, um, very, very happy and, and keen to get drunk, drink too much, uh, chase after girls, in, invariably unsuccessfully, but, but chase nonetheless, and generally just ha- ha- happy to fit into whatever anyone expected of me. I had no real desire to stand up to peer pressure. I was just going to fit in and go with the crowd, and I was just desperate to be one of the lads. I wanted to be one of the lads. Um, so publicly, my life didn't at all look like a Christian, and privately it didn't either. Um, so forgive me if this is too much information for a Monday evening, but I was completely addicted to pornography, never told anyone. Um, but just addicted as a teenager. I couldn't go a week without it. I knew in my head it was wrong and I shouldn't be doing it. And in theory, if I was a Christian, why was this going on? But I was just hooked and addicted and there was nothing I felt I could do about it. And then privately in my own heart, things were completely askew. So I took all my sense of worth from like outside things. So I was actually very small growing up. So I I had classic small man syndrome, had to prove myself. So sport was hugely important to me. What gave me a sense of worth was I was good at cricket. I know you probably think, how could that possibly give anyone a sense of worth? But anyway, somehow it gave me a sense of worth, right? And I was like, I had to play for Leinster and I had to play in the Irish youth teams and I I had to be the one who scored runs or 
and that, that was a huge part of who I was. And, and I had to do well in exams because that I may be small, but I had to get better results than you because I had to prove myself. And, and I had to be the one that people liked. And pretty girls had to take note of me. And yeah, I was absolutely driven by all these outside ways of, of feeling a sense of, of self-worth. So privately in my heart, there was no Christianity to be seen. Privately in my bedroom when no one was watching, there was very little Christianity to be seen. And publicly, there was very little Christianity to be seen. And I didn't really mind. I didn't really see a problem with it. However, in January 2013, everything started to change. I went on a Christian gap year um, to the Gambia. I went with a group of 12, two leaders and 10 people my own age. I went pretty naively. I was just sold by the idea of five months on the beach playing football, etc. But everything really changed then because for the first time, I actually read the Bible for myself. And for the first time, I actually asked questions like, is this actually true? And how can I believe the Bible? And what does this actually mean for my life? And slowly, bit by bit, I didn't just read it all at once and like some, slowly, bit by bit, I started to read through it. And I just began to be absolutely blown away by the Bible. And it began to dawn on me, so here's, here's my Bible. This is, this is not just one book. This is a book made of 66 other little books written by people from completely different eras, completely different cultures, in completely different ancient languages, over a period of perhaps as much as 1,500 years. It was, there were all these different people writing. And yet, I began to realize it presented such a uniform, harmonious picture of who God was. And the more I studied it, the more I dug deep into it, the more I read it for myself out on the west coast of Africa, the more I became convinced that actually what my parents had taught me wasn't just like nice cultural stuff, but was really genuinely true. So I became convinced in my head it was true. I then became convinced in my heart it was true. I started to really feel it. Like I was just blown away by the whole idea of the cross. It hadn't really got through to me before. That the creator of heaven and earth had come down and had paid the penalty I deserved for all the stuff I'd done, be it like all the porn pornography I'd watched or all the times I'd been so rude, arrogant and obnoxious in order to prove myself or all the times I'd like done stuff I regret on nights out. Actually, he paid for that sin. And whoa, I just started to, all I can describe it is I started to buzz off it. I was just buzzing. I couldn't believe, well, I could believe it. That's a terrible phrase. <laughs> but I, I started, I just started to buzz. I wanted to tell everyone. It gave me such a sense of joy and freedom. And so in my head, I became convinced the Bible was true. And in my heart, I really started to feel it. And those things, um, yeah, very much remain with me today. But that was, that was a key moment in my life. So I went on then to university. I studied philosophy and theology at Cambridge. And I, I guess I was very fortunate, again, to have another four years to really explore in, in quite a heavy um, academic way the, the merits of the Christian faith. And again, the more I explored it, the more I dug deep, the more questions I asked, the more I just thought, this is just true. Like, I can't get away from the fact that this is just true. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. The big thing that changed me in Cambridge is I started to see things from an eternal perspective. So it really dawned on me that if Jesus was true, therefore eternity was true. And if eternity was true, well, that was really very important. So I, I, I have a friend who's convinced that the Titanic was a hoax and was sunk as an insurance fraud. And it's a really interesting discussion, okay? And actually, he makes some perfectly good points. But you know what? If it was or it wasn't, who cares, really? Very interesting discussion. I enjoyed it. But it just doesn't matter. But I realized, actually, this question of whether Jesus was true or not, it wasn't just some interesting debate. It had huge consequences because it dictated my eternity, and that really dawned on me in Cambridge and, 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 and the impact that that had to have on my life, therefore, yeah, re really shaped how I, how I went forward in my university years. So what, what now? Here I am back, back in Ireland, having had a very tumultuous, well, four or five years and really given my life to, to the Lord Jesus, if, if you want, want to put it that way. 
And what now? Well, in many ways, not a lot has changed in some ways. I'm really the same Patrick Tice. I'm very recognisable to the teenager that grew up in County Wicklow. I still have niche hobbies. I still love playing cricket. I still love fishing. I still love spending time in the Irish countryside. I still have more or less many of the same mates. I, I still love going to the pub with my friends. Like, in many ways, I'm, I'm very recognisable. But actually, under the surface, oh, wow, it's so, so different to the, to the 18-year-old I was. So when I play cricket now, actually, the lows just really aren't that low anymore. Because, so what if I do badly? So what if I get dropped to the, to the lower teams or whatever? Well, like the creator of heaven and earth has died for me so that I can spend eternity with him. It doesn't really matter if I play for the fourth, the thirds, the first, or Ireland. Just enjoy playing cricket. Or when I go to the pub with my mates, well, you know what? After three pints, when someone says, let's have another round, so what if I say, no, you know what, lads, I'll leave it there. And so what if they think I'm a wimp? The creator of heaven and earth loves me so much he gave his son for me. Like, it doesn't matter if the lads think I'm soft because I don't want to have a fifth or sixth pint of Guinness or whatever it is. And then things like privately in my own bedroom. Like, I mean, pornography, even in my lowest moments, I find it revolting now. And I've no doubt that the Lord completely freed me from it. And for, for many years now, I, I've, yeah, I haven't gone near it and wouldn't, wouldn't want to go near it. Um, I don't say that in like a proud, self-righteous way. I just say it because there's no doubt that the Lord just freed me from it. So yeah, the, bit, the biggest thing that's changed in me is this desire. I no longer have this desire to be the big man because it just doesn't matter. And that the way that's really tangibly impacted me, talking about 24-7 spirituality, is my career choices over the, over the last six months. I, uh, I've decided, having, I was work, working for a management consultancy company, and I decided that actually I wanted to become a religion teacher because I felt that that was the best use of the gifts God gave me. And, well, you know what, if, my, if I never drive a fancy car, if I never earn a big salary, and not that those things are bad, like they're perfectly good things, but if that's never me, if I'm never impressive because of my career, well, it doesn't matter. Like, the Lord of heaven and earth died for me. He loves me so much. He's, he, he gave his son for me. It doesn't matter if I you know, never drive an Aston Martin, which I thought as a teenager, I had to drive an Aston Martin. I had to be the man everyone respected. And finally, what does my life look like now privately? Well, I guess the big heartbeat of my life is my little 10 minutes in the morning where I open up this Bible again. And often the first one or two minutes, I really don't feel like doing it. It's a bit like going to the gym. I have to like, come on, come on, let's, let's get down, let's get this open. But yeah, it's like having breakfast now. If I, if, I don't, if I don't have breakfast, I just feel a bit odd the whole day. Like I can't quite get my day going if I don't have breakfast. Likewise, if I don't read the Bible in the morning, it just, things don't feel right. I, I love it. It's the best part of my day, that 10 minutes, just me and my saviour. And almost, almost every time I still get that buzz in my heart where I think, wow, this is class or see something new. So yeah, that's my story, Steve.